Welcome in to Locked On Knicks. Alex Wolf and Gavin Shaw here, and we are breaking down the Knicks 108 to 100 preseason game three victory over the, well, Cade Cunningham list Detroit Pistons. So take it for what it's worth. But, Gavin, what happened in this game that we're going to get into today? Oh, so much, Alex. A monster night for Julius Randle, reminding the world who he is. Taj Gibson continuing to defy time and logic with another monster 21-9 and game. Emmanuel quickly, not an incredible night statistically, but I, I thought made some real, or rather showed off the strides he's made as a ball handler and playmaker. Similar progress for R.J. Barrett and so much more right now on Locked on Knicks. You are Locked on Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And I think we see Willis coming out. There he comes. Right now. Starts with a five. Ewing for the win. Yes. Up, up left. Now fires it. And he's good. And he's fouled. And he's good. Anthony for three. All right, welcome in to Locked On Knicks. Thank you guys, as always, for making us your first listen. We appreciate you uh, tuning into us as, as your first thing every day. And we are certainly here every day, back to five days a week, regular season, uh, Knicks, locked on Knicks schedule, I should say. And uh, we hope that for your second listen, maybe you check out Locked on NBA, where I, I feel like Locked on NBA has to at this point be renamed like the Kyrie Irving uh, half hour or so, because he keeps making news. For all the wrong reasons. Good job, Kyrie. Thank goodness he didn't sign with the Knicks in 2019. Anyway, I am Alex Wolf. I'm editor-in-chief of Knicks site, The Strickland, which you can find at thestrick.land. Also, I'm going to be writing for Clutch Points this year about the Knicks. I've already kind of started putting some pieces out there, but I should be in the garden soon. He is Gavin Shaw, your favorite play-by-play broadcaster's favorite play-by-play broadcaster. And we, today, are talking about the Knicks 108 to 100 victory over the Detroit Pistons. And as I mentioned in the intro, no Kate Cunningham for Detroit, also no Killian Hayes. So they were without their top two picks of recent years, but they still had Jeremy Grant and Isaiah Stewart and a number of talented players uh, suit up for them. They had Frank Jackson with his new hairstyle all pulled back. Kind of, kind of confused me at first. I almost thought he was like Jordan Poole. At first, he looked a lot like him uh, on the court initially to me for some reason. And uh, uh, Saban Lee, you know, I mean, they still uh, Kelly Olenek, who's who remains a pest. So they weren't total pushovers here, Gavin. Um, that said, I, I think that this game was mostly categorized by the fact that the Knicks were a uh, basically not trying for the first two and a half-ish quarters, uh, much to Tom Thibodeau's chagrin. And finally kind of just turned it on late in the game and went on at least a 10-0 run, if not more, and eventually went on to win this game by eight. But by and large, I, I kind of thought this was the most listless of the Knicks' performances so far, and also without Kemba themselves. But ultimately, in the end, it was sort of encouraging in a way because it I think it maybe gave a preview of the fact that 
you know, the, the Knicks against bad teams this year might be able to coast for two quarters and then turn it on in the second half and still come out with a win. So I guess maybe that's the silver lining out of this game. Yeah, it, it, it did sort of feel that way. And it, it sort of felt like the Knicks playing with their prey a little bit. And it was nice to see, like, I thought this game was sort of the return of the King in some ways. Like, it was nice to see Julius Randle at full throttle. Obviously, he only played one other previous preseason game, and he was he was fine in that. Didn't really seem like he was going all out. But this was a little bit of, of a turnip for what I hope this year is, is a little bit of a, a Julius Randle revenge tour after he took a lot of crap after that Hawks series. And I think he would argue, and a lot of people would argue, all right, it was it was important. It's a, it's a real data point, but it was still a relatively small sample size and, and not um, as representative as what we saw from him over nearly or right around 80 games last season. And tonight, he was an absolute monster, 29 points, 11 boards, five assists. And to me, it was it was exactly what I want to see from him this year offensively. It was a meshing of all the best stretches he had last year while leveraging the fact that his teammates were, or or rather are much better than they were a season ago. The fact that he was able to to show off the distance shooting, but that, that wasn't all of it, right? Like he got, he got all the way to the rim a number of times had like a ridiculously tough finish over Jeremy Grant um, towards the end of this game. He was hitting like his signature insane litany of fadeaways and turnarounds. Like like some were all nylon. He had the one I think mid second quarter that was just kind of a crazy turnaround bank um, rip through into a mid range fader. Um, I I just think like I I, I find myself I, I think maybe now that we've had a few months removed from last year and and it, this is kind of good timing to be having this conversation because I, I think this week Alex if I'm remembering correctly we're going to put out um Julius Randle as our either last or second to last uh, player preview but I, I think I over the summer I forgot to like appreciate just how good his touch had gotten and how ridiculous it is that this guy who in his first season as a Nick just I mean a point showed that off but but mostly just sort of looked like another guy and a chucker He's just one of the elite shot makers on planet Earth right now. And it was it was pleasant to get that reminder. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I think it's pretty safe to say that the uh, the magic has not gone away as far as his mid-range shot. I mean, it still looks as wet as ever. I, I think he's still going to hit it at a well above average clip this year. And, uh, you know, I think that this game went a long way, I guess, towards uh, proving that he can shoot in a building with more than 2,500 fans in it. I mean, again, 11 of 19 overall, four of seven from three. He sort of reclaimed the the three-point stroke there too. It's easy to forget too that like even in a game where, where we felt that he didn't have his best outing in the first game, he still led the team in scoring. Um, so, you know, it's, it's definitely one of those things where I think Julius, maybe the best is still yet to come this year. Um, as far as some of his best scoring performances and and things of that nature, and he'll really start to come into his own as this uh, max contract, or well, you can't even call it a max, the sub max contract that he signed uh, kicks in, and he he starts you know his his long term future in New York. I think we're starting to just see him hit his stride here. Uh, it's uh, the only thing that's probably a shame here is that we wasted the new dad energy game on a preseason game because it's like, it's like magic in the NBA. It seems like whenever a guy becomes a new dad, uh, he, you know, goes crazy in a game. And 
obviously Julius just had his second child uh, with his wife Kendra over over the weekend. So um, I think that <laughs> we can pretty safely say that he was playing with that sort of uh, enthusiasm. He seemed very very jovial before the game, and why wouldn't he be? He just he just added another member to his family. So congrats to Julius on that. Um, I think that we can probably head to our second segment here, but we do just have to let everybody know that today's episode is brought to you by Sweatblock. And I don't, I don't know if I've made my point clear enough yet, but Sweatblock has been a real game changer for me. I'm a, a very sweaty person by nature. Even this current weather that we have right now, where it's been sunny and you know like 80 degrees or so, I still step outside and my pits, they want to sweat. And so, so do other parts of my body, but mostly it's my pits and it's, it's no fun. It's not a, it's not a great time being a sweaty individual during the hot weather months or even the moderately hot weather months before we hit the winter, my favorite season, but that's where sweat block has come in for me. It's been extremely helpful. They're wipes that you dab onto your underarms, wash off the excess in the morning, and then you're protected from sweating for up to seven days per use. Sweat block is doctor created and doctor recommended. And it comes with the dry shirt guarantee. If Sweatblock doesn't keep you dry, you get your money back. It's fantastic. You could wear what you want to wear now, and it could be your little secret to confidence. No more hiding those gray shirts in the back of your closet for all of summer and all the hot weather months anymore. You can now bust those out whenever you want and not have to worry about those unsightly pit stains. So if you want to get some Sweatblock for yourself, uh, you can get 20% off at Sweatblock.com with promo code locked on. Or check it out at Amazon and CVS. All right, and we are back to Locked On Knicks. Thank you again for making Locked On Knicks your first listen of the day. And again, be sure to check out the Kyrie Hour over on uh, Locked On NBA. See who, see what Kyrie said this time on Instagram Live last night. It was uh, certainly a show from what it looks like. I didn't watch it because I didn't need my brain melted in that way. But, uh, you know. You can always get a recap on Locked On NBA. Gavin, uh, there's a guy in this game that did not put up a, of course, the Knicks 108 to 100 victory over the Detroit Pistons, that did not put up a particularly provocative stat line, but that caught your eye. That is Emmanuel Quickly. Uh, only shot 0 of 5 from the field, 0 of 1 from 3. So I say only, but didn't, didn't do anything in that regard. But had four assists and three rebounds and to you, and also to me, but I'm going to throw it to you because this was your guy you want to talk about, uh, put on a pretty good show about of, as far as some of the ball handling and, and offense running skills he's been working on. Yeah, I, I again, he, he didn't shoot the ball well tonight, hasn't shot the ball. Or, well, I, I won't even say that. In, in summer league, there are points where he didn't shoot the ball that well. But I think we're seeing a guy who has turned a corner as both a ball handler and, and a passer in a more significant way that I expected in his second season. Like, I, I think we knew that there was going to be a jump, but this is a bigger jump than I thought. I mean, he started off his first rotation with an awesome backdoor find to Obi Toppin, and Obi missed the layups. Then he, he, he was, what he's gotten so good at is putting a defense in, in sort of a like lock state where they have to keep their eyes on him. And then once he has them there, he's it's like it's like a cat with a ball of yarn, right? Like he he can look one way and the whole defense is going to follow him, and then he can throw it another way. So he, he had this play where he looked off Sims rim running, and then just went cross court to Obi Toppin for an open three. Maybe my favorite play of, of of his came about a minute later, like a dirty hesitation, like he he has sort of the Steph fake 
net down where you do like you're basically 30 feet away from the basket. Only a couple of guys on planet earth can pull this off because you have to be able to make the shot from 30 feet for defenses to respect that. And, and basically just like jolts his head up as if he's, he's about to go into a shot. The defender like half jumps at it and quickly so fast that he's already, he's already by the guy by the time his feet are back on the ground. And, and then he hit Burks wide open for a cross court three. Of course, Burks missed that one too. Um, and it, it was, that was, that was sort of the uh, night in, in summation for um, Emmanuel quickly that his process was really, really good. He made the right passes, but a lot of guys missed shots off of them. And then even, even in his own offense, it, it felt like he was, was getting to the rim and, and he had good moments. He had like this gorgeous, oh, or excuse me, that was, that was actually Obi that I was looking at, but he, he had a number of shots that I thought he should have made um, that he didn't. But I think we know based on everything we saw from last year that those shots will eventually come. To me, it's it's so much more important that the dribbling and the passing are, are and and just the general manipulation of a defense are at a much higher level than they were a year ago. And I think um, again, if, if anything happens to Kemba or D Rose this year, the Knicks will be in really really good hands with Emmanuel quickly playing as a true point guard. Yeah, I think so too. I, you know, I think we've seen this going all the way back to summer league too. To your point, and unfortunately, we've seen the cold shooting stretch all the way back to summer league too. And I, you know, I wish that that wasn't the case, but I mean, it's, I, I feel the same way. I don't think that he's suddenly forgotten how to shoot. And at some point the floodgates are just going to open and he's, he's going to be able to hit everything. I almost wonder, I mean, some people had noted that he looked like he put on some muscle in the off season and he probably did. I, I wonder a little bit if that is, messing with his his shot just a tiny bit while he learns how to adjust for that little bit of extra oomph he's getting behind each shot um i could certainly see that being the case because you know it, it does change how you shoot the basketball if you put muscle on but as far as his ball handling and his ability to read the defense i thought he maybe you know there was once or twice where he tried to press the issue a little bit and i i think that's the case for the guy i'm going to talk about next too but you know, like I can remember one pass, I think it was in the third quarter, where he was trying to run a pick and roll with OB, and the, the play was clearly busted up. Um, you know, he had his defender did a good job of, of sticking with him, and OB's defender just had him fronted uh, in the, you know, in the passing lane for the pick and roll there. And, and IQ still tried to kind of fit it in. I think it wound up in a kickball violation or something. But I guess those are still some some learning moments that he'll have to have where it's like you got you to gotta be better at recognizing when you can't squeeze that pass in there um you know I, th- I think he's a pretty talented passer I mean we saw a number of passes last year and during the summer league where he managed to fit the ball into really tight windows even some like bounce passes uh from long distances stuff like that he definitely has the passing ability to make difficult passes but it's just kind of choosing your shots with what is too difficult versus what is just difficult enough to make a highlight play and uh, I think he'll get there eventually um another guy that I think will get there eventually is RJ Barrett who also had sort of an off shooting night after, I mean, he's been lighting the nets on fire the first couple games uh, only had 12 points, three of 11 shooting one of five from three did get to the free throw line seven times and made five of them, which is great. Uh, but also had seven rebounds and a team high six assists. And what I liked about RJ in this game was I, I thought that at a certain point it reminded me sort of of Derek Rose in the first game where Rose in that first game just sort of at a certain point decided that he wasn't going to even attempt to make a shot anymore. 
and was just kind of like, okay, I'm just working on playmaking today. And I think that's what preseason is for. And it's, you know, even if Tibbs is looking for wins, uh, <laughs> maybe we'll get into it in the final segment, but like, cause Tibbs had, Tibbs had some informative stuff and some gems out of this one. But, uh, you know, Tibbs was basically like, like, I don't, not, this isn't for everybody. I want to win preseason games. And, you know, that that's admirable in its own right. And it's, I think it, we saw last year, it does a pretty good job of getting the Knicks ready for, uh, the regular season and for the workload that's ahead of them to play something a little more similar to, to a real scenario during the preseason. Um, but RJ in this one didn't necessarily do what I, I think he would do in a regular season game in the sense that at a certain point he just started working on the playmaking and he flashed some similar stuff, I think, to IQ as far as, you know, really nice looks, uh, showing off the improved handle, improved ability to run pick and rolls and, and things of that nature. Um, and also just fitting the ball into some really tight windows. So I, I think that it's a good sign of things to come for RJ and hopefully they empower him, you know, even on a, uh, starting lineup with four, you know, four, including him, extremely talented playmakers and him probably now, eh, I don't know. I guess it's a toss up between he and Fournier as far as who's the, the third best. But, you know, definitely behind two better playmakers in Kemba and Julius. Hopefully the Knicks empower him to sort of embrace that part of his game a bit this year because I think that he can he can do some really good stuff because we've seen for years, you know, for his first two years in the league here that he has the ability to get into the lane. Um, whether he can finish there super efficiently, still TBD, but he has that ability to get in there at least and collapse the defense. And the Knicks have a lot of really good shooters around him now that he can kick out to. So I, I hope that they embrace that and allow him to embrace that part of his game this year for sure. Yeah, I thought he made, it, it wasn't even that, like I, I thought maybe the reason I wanted to highlight IQ is just because I thought the reads were more complicated, but the brilliance of RJ is he's so good at getting all the way to the basket is it, just to, his presence puts defenses in a very compromising position and, and, and generally sets defenders on a backpedal. And, and you can see it, whether it's him coming off a stagger screen or just a regular pick and roll, he, he, he gets so much room to throw those passes and twice like he, he set up Taj for for pretty much automatic buckets like one on like a little like slip uh pocket pass and, and another one like kind of a reverse pivot side pocket kick out bounce pass I don't know I'm throwing a lot of words out there to Taj for a two-point basically he, he turned around threw it from his hip bounce pass back to Taj for an elbow jumper and it, it, they were really simple plays but that's again sort of the beauty of what the Knicks have assembled is that against probably all but the best defenses in the NBA, there's going to be a lot of simple plays to be made. And just by leveraging everyone's individual gravity and then everyone just playing unselfishly off of that, the Knicks are going to get a lot of open shots and they're going to make a lot of open shots. And I thought RJ's night was pretty emblematic of that. And then the other thing worth noting is he continues to just be automatic in, in that space um, between the corner and the wing. Like that's just, that, that's money for him. It feels like he's shooting 90% on those threes right now. And it's, that's really fun to see, because that's another shot again, that in the context of this offense, he is going to be able to get pretty regularly, but Alex, it's about that time. Let's take our second break and tell everyone about built bar. Did you know that built bar has so many delicious flavors? There is something for everyone. When you talk to a built bar fan, Alex, hint, hint, they're definitely passionate about their faves. If you don't know the built bar flavors, well, you're missing out. Coconut, 
Cherry Barcia, raspberry, mint brownie, double chocolate, salted caramel, strawberry, orange, cookies and cream, German chocolate. Know what my favorite flavor is? Well, I'm, I'm a big coconut guy. I've been I'm very upfront about that from day one. Just love coconut in general. But if you haven't tried all the flavors, you can get a mixed box where you'll get two of each of the nine flavors. Not only are Built Bar flavors the best tasting, but they're healthy too. Check out the macro, 17 to 18 grams of protein, calories ranging from 130 to 180, only 4 to 5 grams of sugar, and only 4 to 5 grams net carbs. Amazing flavors, all tasty, all healthy. Go to Built.com and use promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your order. Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. All right, guys, with that, we are back on the Locked On Knicks podcast. Thank you, as always, for making us your first listen of the day. Again, Gavin Shaw, Alex Wolf, third and final segment. Alex, we were going to finish talking about the game, but you, you reminded me there's some exciting Mitchell Robinson news that we, we have to mention. Yeah, Tibbs uh, basically said that he hopes Mitch will be ready to play in the final preseason game on Friday if all goes according to plan, which is news to me. It feels like a bit of a leap uh, given that he wasn't cleared for contact yet and then would then be cleared immediately to play in a preseason game. But I, I think that Tibbs is probably looking at that of if he's cleared for contact, you give him like one practice, you know, today, Thursday. And as long as he can do that practice and get through it, okay, you want to get him out there for 10 to 15 minutes to help him get his win back uh, during that preseason game on Friday. So hopefully that's the plan. Um, and then maybe you can start the season. I mean, I, I think Nerlens's status has still been sort of nebulous too, where at first it was like a knee thing. And now they're saying, saying like a hammy, I think, is the current diagnosis. I mean, either way, you know, if he's not ready to go for the start of the season, it, clearly Taj is ready to go for the start of the season. So, But it, Jericho Sims is clearly not ready for the big stage just yet. Um he even got pulled in this game for Amir Sims, who I, I think Amir Sims actually did a pretty good job of uh, playing defense and and helping spur that run in the third quarter for the Knicks at the center spot. But, you know, it, I think ideally you would want to have to start the season, if Nerlens is still hurt, you would want to have Taj starting probably, and then Mitch, as long as he's cleared for contact and everything, while he gets his win back, get him in there for 10, 15 minutes a game. Um you know, as the the backup center and you could have Taj, I mean, you could kind of run Taj a little bit to start the season with the implication of like, hey, you're not going to have to do this forever and play 35 minutes a game, but we kind of just need this at the moment <laughs> for the fact that we're injured and we can't really, I mean, you just, you can't trust Jericho Sims yet at an NBA level to play NBA level defense, uh, although hopefully he gets there. Eventually, he's just, I mean, he's the 58th pick in his first season. So it's not unreasonable to say that he still has a lot of things to work on other than his strengths, which are like rebounding and lobs. Um, so I think that as long as they can get Mitch cleared by the doctors, I'm totally cool with that if they play him on Friday, as long as everything is is good. Um, and Mitch himself, I think, had an Instagram post just the other day saying, uh, and not really saying necessarily like I'll be back soon, but just being like, you know, year four going to be a problem or whatever. You know, I, I don't know, whatever, whatever it was that he said. But it, you would think maybe the fact that he would feel um, inspired to post something like that might suggest that that he's gotten some sort of clearance from the Knicks doctors. 
I certainly hope it's the case because I mean, I, I think we made it pretty clear uh, talking about Mitch the other day in our season preview of him, but I, I think that he's probably, I mean, I, I don't necessarily know if he's the guy that I'm most excited to see. I guess at this point he certainly is now that we've seen, you know, Kemba in uniform, Fournier in uniform, you know, made sure that Julius didn't forget how to play basketball. We've seen what IQ and Obi and RJ have improved upon. At this point, he's definitely the guy that I'm most intrigued to see. But even in a vacuum prior to the preseason starting, Mitch was one of the guys I was most intrigued to see because I I, I can't wait to see how this, A, how he's moving around and just to make sure that that foot is totally healed. But then, B, I'm really intrigued to see how this this newfound muscle mass is going to help him or hinder him on the court. Um, my inclination is to say I think it's going to help him. But, I, you know, if, if we see him out there and it looks like he's lost some of the the leaping ability and whatever, which might come in conjunction with with being tentative on that that uh, repaired foot as well, you know, then that that does sort of take away some of his his effectiveness, like it, his highlight plays, blocking threes on the perimeter, um, you know, his ability to get up as high as he can for lobs, that sort of thing. Hopefully none of that is hindered by all the factors that that kind of came into play this summer. Yeah, I think it'll be a situation where it takes time, right? And and you can it, it, it's so variant for different guys because I think I mean once once they're medically cleared, generally I mean I like obviously like you can't rule out that some portion of his explosiveness is, is gone and will be for a while or will take a long time to build up. But I, I really do believe it's it's mostly mental at a certain point and it'll it'll sort of be just contingent on his his makeup and how long it takes him to uh, feel comfortable. But I'm I'm like you. I'm I'm so excited to see him. I, I know I've I've said it on a couple of previous podcasts, but the fact that the Knicks and and it was it was evident this game like like quickly is able to hit shooters for threes because teams crash hard when Jericho Sims rolls to the rim. Mitchell Robinson is a different animal. Mitchell Robinson is the dude who has the NBA's all-time record for field goal percentage because he's about as good as anyone in the history of the game at, at rolling to the basket. And the shooters, again, which we only got to see for for a bit in the first game with everyone out there, with Kemba, with Fournier, with RJ, with Randall, are really, really good. So I know I say this basically every show, but people should be really, really excited to see what the Knicks offense looks like at full throttle. I think it can be one of the six or seven best offenses in the NBA, especially Alex, if Taj Gibson puts up 21 points per night. I I don't think that is a particularly likely outcome this season, but I also didn't think Taj Gibson would be scoring over 20 points for the Knicks preseason game or not in his, uh, if I'm remembering correctly, age 36 season. He had 21 and nine, nine for 14 from the field, one for two from three, also two assists, including he had an awesome like catch um, off a pick and roll pass from D Rose into a pivot into a kick to a Knox three. That was it was just gorgeous. He he had a three himself in the waning moments. So this one hit a pull up jumper a couple of possessions before that to beat the shot clock buzzer and essentially seal this game for the Knicks. Man, he was he was masterful, and it, it's fun it's fun watching Taj just just cook young dudes who probably don't even know who he is. Yeah, it's just like. I don't even know what more to say about Taj at this point with how good he's been playing. And the best part is that, I mean, it's so evident how much fun he's having playing the game right now. Like that final three that he made, that was the most exaggerated of his, uh, you know, he does his like phone call celebration when he, uh, when he makes it from deep, like the long distance call. And I mean, 
this to see him reacting, you would have thought it was like, you know, a high pressure mid regular season game or something. You know, I won't necessarily say that he celebrated like it was the finals or something, but I mean, he was celebrating as if he had just hit like a big shot in the middle of the season. And you know that he knows the difference between a preseason shot and a, a, a high leverage shot at a different point during the season. So that just tells you like, he's not, he's not overreacting in like a dumb way. He's just so incredibly excited and happy to still be playing basketball and to be playing it in New York. And it's just, it's so cool. I think he even, he made a comment, Gavin, uh, I think that we've, we could finally put the, the Taj is on HGH debate to bed. Uh, I think I saw that he had a comment after the game that he got asked like what his fountain of youth is. And he said, it's a uh, bodega bacon, egg and cheeses uh, where he lives. So, I, I no, guess you know, that, there probably is quite a bit of HGH in those, so it makes sense. It's possible. I mean, we don't necessarily know what his bodega is putting in his bacon, egg, and cheese. Um, however, I can I can definitely speak to the restorative power of a of a good greasy bacon, egg, and cheese sandwich. So, uh, I, I think that there is maybe something to this that he just eats one of those after every game, and it uh, I guess greases up the joints again and gets him ready to go for uh, another game. So, but yeah, he's. He's been so good. Like I, I have zero issues if he walks into the season as the starter. My biggest issue is who's going to be his backup. Hopefully, Mitch is able to step in with that and then eventually step his way into being the starter. Or hopefully, we get an update on Noel soon too, and maybe he's able to play the last preseason game as well. Or if not, hopefully, whatever is ailing him is not going to be enough to keep him out for a long time to start the season because. There's only so much Taj Gibson can do to carry this team. Um, Taj needs help, okay? Taj needs help. We need to get Taj some help out there. Uh, anyway, um, I'm trying to think of other guys that that I felt particularly inspired by in this game. I mean, there was there was a number of of decent performances. Otherwise, like Alec Burks, I thought did really well off the bench, but I I don't feel like it was too out of the ordinary for him. I guess that's the thing. We're gonna have to start settling into our uh, into our groove here of finding new things to talk about because what's nice is I feel like a lot of the guys on this team are really consistent now. So like Burks, 12 points off the bench, 5-11 from the field, 2-6 from three, couple assists, couple steals. I mean, I guess that would be the one thing. I thought that he's, and I think this has been a theme throughout the the preseason too. I think he's been playing pretty well on defense to my eye. Uh, He's been, he and, and Fournier, I think, do kind of a similar thing where they're, they really keep an eye on the passing lanes well and play those well. And uh, I think that's been showing out through the preseason here. But was there anyone else? It it could also include Burks that really stood out to you in this one, Gavin. Um, I thought Obi Toppin in in a negative way a little bit. Like he, he, it it felt um, like progress from last year, but in sort of a different way from quickly in that progress, but not enough progress yet in that he did a, good job finding good shots, whether it was on uh, backdoor cuts or, or just setting himself on the perimeter to be open for three. Um, but then he, he missed a lot of them, right? Like he air, he airmailed like that uh, pretty wide open three off, off a great pass from quickly. He missed a bunny on a backdoor cut. He had this um, like gorgeous rapid fire reverse spin move to find room for a layup. And then of course blew the layup. He had another play where he 
He had a, like a, a pretty, he like attacked the closeout well, and then he had a ball fake to get the defender off of him a little bit, and then just kind of fired the floater hard off the backboard. And, and he, look, he had his moments too in this game. He ran the floor really, really well. And he was part of what was far and away the best play of the game. It was sort of a, a mini version of that insane like net sequence that resulted in, I think it was the KD alley-oop last year, but it was Kevin Knox getting a rebound throwing like a, a quarterback style pass to half court to Alec Burks. Burks takes one dribble, lobs it up to Obi, And I think Clyde uh, correctly assessed that that is probably something that the Knicks practice that off of rebounds, especially when Obi's in the, in the game, one, like a big stays back to get the board, a guard runs up the court as fast as they can. And then they keep their head up. He's Obi's probably 30 feet ahead of them. This is just, he's just that fast going um, baseline to baseline. Uh, so that was very impressive, but I was I was overall a, a tiny bit disappointed in his night because I want to see him start finishing some of those shots. And I think, um, as well as he shot from three in summer league, and 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 while he had moments at the rim in summer league, I think we saw even there that this is certainly still an issue for him, and and one that I'm a little concerned about because I don't think it's that he has bad touch. I think it's very difficult for him to beat a defender cleanly and therefore difficult for him to get clean looks around the basket. And if you can't get clean looks, you, you go from having to be just a good finisher to having to be an elite one. And I don't think he is quite there yet. So something on those margins has to eventually change. Uh, Kevin Knox shot it well from three, had that nice pass. That was about it from him. Derek Rose, classic Derek Rose game. Very, very solid. Um, showed early on that he could still close ground on someone and finish. Had a nice line drive three. Uh, great speed around screens to get all the way to the rim. I, I, it's not nothing new. Very similar to Burks. It's just classic D Rose. But it, it's I'm 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 thankful and I'm I'm excited that it. I mean, and and look like it's it could be different as the year goes on and and the miles start to accumulate on on those knees that have taken a battering through his life. But more and more, it seems like he is just going to be who he was a year ago, and that's that's good enough. Yeah, I I certainly have no issue with Derek Rose of a year ago and as you noted earlier in the show too uh even if even if Kemba or Rose has some issues uh throughout the year with maintenance and you know needing a game or two for their knees we know that we've got Emmanuel quickly backing those two guys up and and that's pretty reassuring as well uh especially considering the the guard depth otherwise where you know that you can throw out you know with quickly even if you don't give someone like a Deuce McBride playing time you can still throw out lineups that feature two of RJ Barrett, Evan Fournier and Alec Burks. And you're pretty well set at the two and three spot too. So that's just that depth that we talked about all uh, off season and throughout the beginning stages of this preseason, just showing itself. But I think that's it for today. That's uh, all we got to get into. So we will be back to review the final preseason game on uh, Saturday. We'll come back for that. But we also will have, I think, another player preview in between there. So keep your ears out for that tomorrow. Uh, and we will, we will be talking that over about one of the, the biggest players on the Knicks, I think, with one of our favorite and also pretty big time now at this point guests. Uh, so not to, not to tease it too much, but uh, we will be back tomorrow in your feeds. Until next time, though, thanks for listening to Locked on Knicks, and we will talk to you all soon. Peace out.